How you guys feeling this morning? Way to make it through. It's crazy outside. We got kind of a light crew. Dream team. So what is God saying to us this morning? What do we feel like? Is it a warrior's prayer? Is it God rescue me? Is it, oh my gosh, I'm really going through something right now? God, you need to show up or I'm going to ship out. You know what I mean? Um, why don't we take a few seconds to get in there, invite his presence. I don't know too much about life, you guys, but I, I know that God's presence is real and organic. And Jesus Christ has come through for me when I've needed him. That, that I know for sure. Everything else I've been uh, wrong about. <laughs> but I'm married, so that's a great thing. God, we invite your presence here this morning. We want you to be real to us. We want you to test our faith this morning. Would you prompt our heart to pray something that may be quite impossible? We believe that you are God who moves. In you we live and move and breathe. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a disciplined mind. If you feel like your mind or your heart is just riddled with chaos, I ask that you just, you just let the Holy Spirit come and give you peace. So you can uh, be wise to make your decisions and worship him with freedom. How lucky we are that we have this place that we can worship Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Savior of 
sing songs, God, because we know that it stirs your heart. Just for this, this, little, this little time in the week, we meet here in corporate worship because you're worth it. Would you honor us with your presence this morning? Oh, Jesus, we're not good enough. The stuff we've done this week, the stuff we've done this week, we're not good enough to be in your presence. Would you honor us, God, by showing up this morning? Oh, God, because we need you. Maybe if you don't, I sure do. You come for me. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Yeah. 
great I am. I want to be near, near to your heart, loving the world and hating the dark. I want to see dry bones living again, singing as one. Jesus, 
for giving it all for me. For doing exceedingly abundantly more than I could have ever asked or thought. Jesus, the wonder you are. I'm the, I'm the type of guy who um, I, I have like a daily devotional, a time of prayer with the Lord, and you know, true confessions, a lot of times my mind ends up wandering. But every time that I have this prayer time, there's kind of this anchor moment where I sense God's presence, I sense his favor, I sense him being with me. It means so much to me in my day. It's, it just launches me in the right direction. And um, just with the busyness of life and you wake up in the morning and there's six inches of snow in your driveway and you got to plow it out and all of this stuff, you know, so the schedule just wasn't happening right. And there was a number of days where I, I didn't have that time and it, and I was just like, oh, this is right. You know, part of it is just habit as I do it. But then I had some time yesterday and I had some time with the Lord and I was just like immediately, I just had this thought. I was just like, Lord, I just, I miss you. Oh, I miss you. And I noticed in those three days prior to that, it was just kind of accumulating. You know, if, you, if, if you're kind of drifting from the Lord, what becomes, you know, all of a sudden you're kind of managing sin. Do you know what I mean? You're kind of checking in and making sure that you're not, doing things wrong or thinking things wrong or getting on the wrong path and it's just a kind of a management game but that never lasts long that doesn't that doesn't last because what we're called to is what I read here in Psalm 86 got it here where are you Psalm 86 verse 11 teach me your way Lord that I may rely on your faithfulness give me here it is give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name, an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So what was happening to me in those days, I challenge you, is your heart divided? Is your heart divided? That we may fear his name. What is that fear? That fear is basically just adoring him so immensely that you just, it would hurt you that you would offend him. It would hurt you in here that if you've fell short or sinned before God. So when I had that moment with the Lord and as we're having just right right now, see the affection of God. See how beautiful he is. See how wonderful he is. <laughs> and all of a sudden those other things in life that are unraveled become a second thought. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for all of us. Give us an undivided heart that we may fear your name, that we may enjoy you and delight in you. Lord, this can only happen by your Spirit. So I ask for your Holy Spirit to be here now as we are assembled in your name in this gym, worshiping in your presence to honor you and to reach out to you and say, we need your help. We need your presence. Would your Spirit come? see if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. By your Holy Spirit, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. Great. Uh, greet some people around you, kids. You can be dismissed.
All right. Everybody's staying close to each other to stay warm, I think. Is that part of it? Extra hugs a day to warm up? Whatever it takes, Wisconsin winter. We're so glad you're here. My name is Matt. I'm part of the pastoral team here at NBC. Thank you for venturing out. Thank you for arriving safely. Thank you, setup team, for coming out real early. You guys always are the first ones here, so thanks for doing that. So there's a few things I want to share with you this morning. When you arrived, you received a welcome packet. A lot of information about us and the church and what's going on is in there. I just want to draw your attention to that real quickly. Um, but also, one of the things I do here is lead small groups. And we have small groups that are perpetually going, and some that start and end on a semester basis. But at least twice a year, we like to just draw your attention to them and say, hey, if you're not plugged into a small group, you got to do that. I know for me, Wednesdays is, a, is an amazing day because there's six guys, there's usually six cups of coffee, and it's early, and we're talking, and we're praying, and we're sharing life, and that's always a midweek encouragement for me. So what you're going to find this week, if you go to the website, is our new list will be posted in a little handout. There'll be a hard copy available next week, but you don't have to wait until next week to sign up, Okay. If you go, go online and you see something online that you like, just sign up, and the leader will reach out to you. We want to make sure you get plugged into that first meeting. So you will have the ability to sign up on a paper sheet next week, but you don't have to wait. Go to the website this week after Tuesday, all right? Something else that's new that I want to draw your attention to. How many grew up going to Sunday school when they were, like, adult Sunday school? Anybody have that in their church before? Yeah, yeah. So I remember my, my little rural church, there was always an early Sunday school class, and that group would meet, and they would show up at service, and man, they were ready. And I know sometimes Allison and I show up like five minutes before with our kids, and we're like, we're not quite ready yet. But that Sunday school group brought a lot of energy to, um, to, the, to the morning service. And one of the things we've been trying to find a way to do at NBC is to do some Sunday school on Sunday morning. So it's here. We have Sunday school on Sunday morning for adults. Yeah. 8.45, we're going to meet up there. And don't worry, we'll find you if you sign up for this class. But there's going to be a class up there. So I'm going to show this video, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it afterwards. So let's go ahead and run it, Sebastian. Everything has a starting point. You had a starting point. 
faith has a starting point as well. For most of us, we began to believe something about God as children, and then we became adults, and it didn't work anymore. And there was this growing gap between what we were told as children and what we experienced as adults. Sometimes adults need a new starting point. So we're gonna hit the restart button. What if we'd never heard any of those stories? Where would we start? What if we didn't know anything? Where would we start? Because starting off with faith as a child is very different than starting off with faith as an adult. All right, so March 10th. March 10th will be the first class upstairs. If you're interested, go sign up today. Go to the small groups tab, click on the drop down, sign up for starting point, and we'll be aware of your interest. Um, there will be childcare available. So if you are on setup or you're on worship or whatever, we're gonna do our best to have the church set up, have worship team run their, their uh, prep, and if you wanna be participating in that, you're welcome to join. So we're really excited about this. Um, please take the time to sign up if you're interested so we can make sure we have enough books and enough materials for you. And um, yeah, if you have any questions, contact myself or Lance. We will answer your questions. All right, thank you. Good stuff. Good morning, I'm Jordan. I'm part of the pastoral team as well. I get to lead our youth every week. It's been a weird winter. We've been on and off, let me tell you. Um, we've had some good time. We were at the trampoline park a couple weeks ago. We have a uh, potential for a skiing outing coming up. So if you have questions about youth group, come, come talk to me. Who's ever been a part of a group project at work? or at school. Who is that person that does it all on their own? Yeah, I was kind of that person. Um, okay, out of those people, how difficult was it, give me a thumbs up, thumbs medium, thumbs down, to get things done? Right, depends on the project, right? But more so, it's really difficult. Why am I talking about this? Because we as a church here in Madison cannot do it all on our own right? We as a church have things that we're called to do. There's no way that we can do it on our own. There's no way that High Point Church, a couple weeks ago, could have the sexuality conference, sexuality everywhere conference on their own. They needed folks to help, right? So that's why we pray, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for another church every Sunday, is because we know that doing it on our own is hard, right? And we need others. And so we're going to pray for a church. Let's play, pray this morning for Point of Grace Church. Pastor Mickey, they are over um, off of, I believe it's like Gammon Road or Raymond Road. That's what it is, Raymond Road, uh, over on the west side of Mass. And so we're going to pray that they would be able to receive everything that they need to spiritually, materially, to do the work that God has called them to do. So pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much that we as Christians in this area do not have to do it alone. I'm so thankful that we have other churches that get together, that lift each other up, that do life together, and that's what we're about. So, Father God, we pray specifically for Point of Grace Church this morning, Pastor Mickey and his family, all of the, the attendees that go to that church. We pray that you would lift them up, that you would give them spiritually strength, spiritually grace, and everything spiritually that they need. Physically, God, we ask that you would give them what they need, finances, relationships, all of those things, so that they can be lifted up and built up 
to do the work that you've called them to do in their area. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Mark 12, 43, Jesus comes to the temple with the purpose of teaching us a lesson about giving. He deliberately sits in front of the offering and watches as people put their money in. Many rich people come and put in large amounts of money, but Jesus wasn't looking at the amount. He was looking at their hearts. Finally, after all the rich people had showed off their tithes, a poor widow comes in and puts in two small coins worth only a few pennies. But this is what Jesus had been waiting for, and he doesn't waste a moment. He quickly calls his disciples together to teach them about the kind of giving that pleases God. He explains how giving out of your abundance isn't what God is interested in, because it doesn't help you rely on him. This is what the rich people were doing, but the widow was different, and the difference was in what she was trusting in. The widow trusted God, knowing that he would stand true to his promise of providing for her needs, while the rich people trusted in their money. Jesus' point was that giving isn't about the amount, it's about the sacrifice. What and how we sacrifice will be different for each person, but we all have the ability to make sacrifices in our giving. The danger comes when we follow the path of the first group of givers. We give to look good, or we give out of a perceived obligation, or we give as a means to some other end. But God isn't interested in this kind of giving. The only giving that interests God is the kind that makes Him a priority above our money. This is why what we use our money for is such a big indicator of where our hearts are at. When we sacrifice something we want and give instead to God, we show that He has the top spot in our hearts. The poor widow trusted God and gave everything she had to Him. And this is why Jesus makes a point to highlight her sacrificial giving. Because as we follow her example, she leads us right to Jesus. Well, good morning, Metro Believers Church. Good to see everybody here. I, I'm just impressed that you all jumped in your car and uh, headed out to church this morning. Um, with blizzard conditions, man. Um, it's amazing. I see people from Lake Mills and, and you know, over in Sun Prairie and all over the place. Um, <laughs> we have people half a mile away that thinks it's too bad, right? Anyway, it's, it's all perspective. Not picking on anybody, just so you know, um, but we're glad you're here. Hey, if this is your first time at Metro Believers Church, we're just honored that you've decided to um, share some of your day with us. We pray that God will use it in your life. I uh, want to welcome our live stream audience as well. Um, thank you for joining us. I know several people that couldn't make it to the service today are watching here locally, as well as people that are traveling um, perhaps in hotel rooms or uh, with one of the relatives, or maybe you're at a resort somewhere warm. We don't like you. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hand and our ushers will get you one. Uh, these are just NBC notes, we call them. They have the verses and some of the blanks to fill in just to help keep you on track with our message today. Um, in case you haven't heard, uh, we are talking about rekindling the fire. Come on. Um, in 2019, I think it's so important for us to rekindle the fire in our lives. Sometimes the fire goes out or it gets real dim. Uh, we uh, use the analogy of the whole idea of... Uh, the, you know, fireplace at home, Vicki and I, 
you know, sometimes we let it go out or it gets really low and uh, we have to stoke it, right? We have to, we have to rekindle it. We have to use whatever embers that are there and uh, sort of get, get it back on track, get it, get it blazing again. And so 2019 is the year to do that. Amen? And we are just challenging ourselves together to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work on the inside of each of our lives. Obviously, the first priority is to rekindle the fire with him, right? To get red hot, to get blazing in your relationship and your love, your first love, uh, as Revelation talks about, with him. Then, then we've been challenging us, all of us, including myself, to rekindle the fire with life itself. Perhaps it's your spouse. Last week, um, I talked about God's design for our sexuality. If you weren't here or weren't able to watch that live, I'd encourage you to do that, especially if you're married, um, to talk about rekindling the fire uh, with our spouse. Uh, it's very important to do that. Sometimes it can get old and cold, right? And so if you're not careful, you have to, you have to maintain that. And Vicki and I work real hard at maintaining a, a, just a red-hot relationship between each other. It's, we're going on 43 years. We've been, been together 45 years. Um, and so we, you know, we, we can easily just get old and cold, you know. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, we just know that we've got to work hard. Everyone say work hard. And, and that's what we need to do in our relationship. And so Vicki and I never take it for granted and we work real hard at, at rekindling the fire and keeping the fire hot um, in our relationship. Perhaps it's a rekindling your fire for your church. How many of you love your church? Let me see your hand. All right. I'm coming after those of you that didn't. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but sometimes, you know, it, maybe, it's, maybe there's just one log on the fire, so to speak, <laughs> and it's smoldering a little bit. We need to rekindle that. Get excited about the bride of Christ, right? That's his church. Did you know that? And get real excited about that. Perhaps it's, you know, just your, your, your serving and connecting and relationships and friendships. We're talking about rekindling the fire in every dimension of our lives in 2019. And you'll, be, you'll hear it throughout the year. I don't want you to get tired of it because it's a reminder. I don't know about you, but I know I need reminders. Because sometimes I let things slip. And so we are now in week four of our series called the rhythm of life. We're talking about just getting in syncopation or rhythm um, or tempo, if you will, uh, of life. We're talking about getting God's temple for our daily routine. It's like Dave was talking about. Sometimes you get out of rhythm. You know, you, something comes up to change your, your pace. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Jordan over here on this box, you know, beating on it. How many of you know he sounds really good? Come on. You know, and, but, you know, if I went over there and did that, how I many of you know it's not going to sound real good? Uh, have you ever seen someone who thinks they know how to play something they don't? <laughs> and, you know, everyone else knows it but them? Um, that would be me, just so you know. And it wouldn't sound, it would, it would really illustrate, I won't take the time to do that, but it would really illustrate some of our lives. They're out of rhythm. They're out of sync. They're you know, they're, they're, they're just not a beat to it, okay? And there's a beat. You know what I'm talking about. When you get in that rhythm of life and there's some basic things that you are doing and participating in and fulfilling that you know are critically important to you, 
and critically important to God, I think it's just amazing how things work and feel. It's a big difference when you're, when you're in rhythm, right? And so far, we talked about the rhythm of gratitude. We, if you weren't here for that, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to that talk. We, we talked about having an attitude of gratitude and how critical that is throughout your day. We talked about the rhythm of renewal, and that's just simply starting your day outright. Just being that fresh and renewed heart before the Lord. And can I encourage you to open up your heart today, here, right now? Can I encourage you to do that? We talked about the renewal, just that, that freshness of, you know, not, you know, sort of writing people off or things off because maybe you've heard that before. We do that sometimes, you know, it's like we, oh yeah, I've heard that, oh yeah, I've heard that, oh yeah, I've heard that. We don't keep our hearts fresh and open. And God wants us to keep our heart fresh and open, no matter the topic, no matter the subject matter. We talked about the rhythm of responsibility, and that, that was just simply talking about, you know, taking ownership. That's a, that's, a, that's a lost art in today's society, right? Well, everyone wants to blame somebody else. We talked about taking ownership of our just basically three things, our attitude, our schedule, and our decisions. Owning them, having, learning how to have a good attitude, learning how to own our schedule, learning how to own um, our decisions and not blame other, other people when things go bad or, you know, they don't work out like we thought they would. But today, I want to look at something I think is very, very, very important to our daily lives, and that is simply the rhythm of generosity. Now, sometimes when you talk about this subject matter, people just shut you off. You know, you trying to get in my pocket? No, I'm not trying to get in your pocket. I'm trying to teach you what God's word says on this subject. Did you hear me? Yeah. Uh, how many of you think we need to learn what God has to say about any subject in life? And so I want to teach you because I, I basically, this series came out of me just sitting before the Lord early this year and saying, God, my, my life is a little out of sync. And I just really want to get back in the rhythm of God. And what are some of those things in my life that I've let slip? What are some of those things in life that I've let go of? And I'm not, and I'm not walking it out in rhythm with you, with your word, with you, with just the right attitude. And so that's how this series was developed. And I just started thinking about, you know, it's, it all starts with having a grateful heart. It, it all, you know, then it continues with just being fresh and new and just like I talked about in my attitude with him and keeping that, that heart, that posture open before him and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me on a daily basis. Then the whole idea of just taking responsibility and, you know, my attitude and Vicki knows, she'll tell you, sometimes my attitude stinks. You know, sometimes I can be real irritable. I know it's hard for you guys to believe that. I mean, you look at me and you think, man, that, that's just not true. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so, you know, the whole attitude check thing. Everyone say attitude check. Turn to someone and say attitude check. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we all need an attitude check. And you've heard me say this. It's, it's kind of a dumb thing, but it rhymes. You know, we need to check up from the neck up. That's so true, right? We need, a, we need to do that. And so I was thinking about that whole attitude thing and the, my, my decision-making and, and my schedule and keeping that in sync with God. And then and I thought about um, 
wanted to think about the whole sexuality piece and how that enters in with my relationship with my wife. And then, then I came to this concept of being generous with my life, of just thinking, you know what, that needs to be totally in check. And I, I need to really understand the rhythm of generosity. And sometimes we let that slip in our lives. I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but sometimes we let those things slip, the, the whole rhythm of generosity. And here's what the Bible says about that. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, I'm talking the Bible. Everyone say the Bible. Bible. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for me. And I really encourage you to read your Bible because you'll, you'll see that what I'm talking about today is the Bible. It's not me trying to, you know, get you to do something. Um, it's the Word of God trying to teach us how to live right. And so Proverbs 11:25 says a generous man or woman, a generous man will what? How many of you are up for a little of that? Let me see your hands. Come on, yeah. That's what the Bible says. I'm not up here, you know, trying to preach a prosperity doctrine and it's all about money, get rich quick. And I'm talking about the Bible here. A generous man will prosper, period. All right? He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Notice the principle of generosity. Just the whole idea of living your life in a posture of generosity. In Galatians, here's a great verse that helps us understand the, the principles deeper. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, don't try to play God, right? Don't try to play him. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what? What he sows. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Notice, whatever a person plants, that's what he gets. Nothing more, nothing less. So the, the, the encouragement here from Scripture is not to get tired of the planting process. Because even though it's hard work and it includes a lot of sacrifice to be generous, and planting good seed in our life through our words, attitudes, and our actions, those are the primary ways we do that. Harvest time is coming. <laughs> Amen? I mean, you're glad for that. Harvest time is coming. And as long as you don't quit and give up, as the Scripture says... Here's the deal. Planting time always comes before harvest time. Did you hear me? And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just sort of think the harvest is coming. It's just automatic, right? It's just automatic. It just happens. Uh, and, and we have nothing to do with that um, during the other seasons of our life. And here's what I found out. Sowing and reaping is part of God's life cycle. Did you hear me? I mean, look, look at after the flood, after God sort of erased the disaster, after the flood, God established the rules, okay? In Genesis chapter 8, it's there in your notes, and it'll appear on the screen. Here's how he established those rules. He said, as long as the earth remains, I mean, you know, the earth's still out there. There'll be what? Planting and harvest, cold and heat. Summer and winter, day and night. How many, of you, how many of you know day and night still out there? It's still working. It's still happening. How many of you know summer and winter? Oh, dear God, thank you for summer. It's coming. 
It's still happening, right? And, and the whole cold and, cold and heat, right? It, got, it went from warm yesterday to cold and like 9 o'clock in the evening, and I took a spill um, out on my sidewalk because it, it was like boom, you know, it just changed. It's still out there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So is planting and harvesting. So is the whole idea of seed time and harvest. See? And if we're not careful, we'll just think it doesn't exist anymore. And it's just all on God. You know, he just, God says, if you'll participate with me, if you'll work with me here and understand the principles of the word, the principles of scripture, you'll understand that seed time and harvest is a spiritual law. It's the, it's the law of the universe, okay, if you will. See, spiritual laws and the law of the universe happen whether you agree with it or not. It's like the law of gravity. <laughs> if you can say, I don't, I don't believe in the law of gravity. How many of you know it's still going to happen? You, you get on a house and jump off, you're going down, right? You can test it all you want, it's still happening. All right? The whole idea of the, it's the law of the universe. And here's what the law of the universe says. Everything must reproduce or produce after its own kind. Did you hear me? In other words, you know, we, when, we plant, when we plant tomatoes, we don't get corn on the cob. You know, we plant cucumbers, we don't get, you know, squash. Wouldn't that be a wacky world to live in? <laughs> yeah, so, so God set it up this way. Whatever you need, learn to plant the seed. I remember I first heard, I think it was Oral Roberts say that years ago, and it stuck. Whatever you need, plant the seed. Think about it. Think about what you're in need of. Plant that seed. I think God was brilliant when he set up the principles that would govern the universe. He said this. He said, if you want something, the way to get it is to give it. Did you hear me? If you want something in life, the way to get it is to give it. How many of you know that swims in the face of selfishness? See, you don't, you don't get it by taking. You get it by giving. See, if you want something, the way to get it is to give it. God never blesses selfishness. Never. You look throughout the scripture and he never blessed selfishness. And I think that's true as parents. One of, the, one of the most distasteful character traits that you can see in a child is selfishness. Partly because it reminds it, us of ourselves. And that's not good, you know, that we can be selfish too. But, but we just don't like it when we see them, you know, fighting over, that's mine, you know. <laughs> and what do we want them to do? We want them to say one word, share. We want them to be generous. How many of you love it when your kids are generous? It's just nothing, nothing more when they're generous to their siblings, when they're generous to their friends, when they share and they're not control freaks, not trying to hold back and hoard what they have, but they're just liberal and, and, and giving and, and open and generous. And we love it when our kids start to get that principle. So what, you know, the, there, there's something about harvest time that reveals what we've been doing during other seasons. You know, it's just like a farmer. If, if you know, if he looks out there in his field, and there's nothing coming up during harvest time. It, tell, it tells us something about that farmer. 
tells us that he's been, you know, doing other things during planting time, during the springtime, because there's nothing growing. In short, whatever's growing, we've been sowing. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. Now, you can either get mad or glad about that. If I look at my life and I see, you know, some lack, I can get upset about that or I can say, you know what, these are areas perhaps that I just need to be more generous and learn how to be sowing things in those areas. And so today I want to look at how I believe sowing and reaping impacts our lives and how it impacts our financial resources. Like I said before, please open your heart. Don't tune me out. I promise you, I'm not trying to get something out of you today. We're not going to pass the baskets at the end of the service. All right? This is for you. This is, this is for us to learn what the Bible says about this whole area of life. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. How many of you want to be trusted? And whoever is dishonest or cannot be trusted, if you will, with very little, cannot be trusted with much. And, and some of you would stop there and say, well, it's talking, not talking about worldly wealth here. It's talking about just life. No, check it out. Let's go on. Verse 11. So if you've been, not been trustworthy in handling what? Worldly wealth. There, there it is. Who will trust you with true riches? Okay. Notice it's a trust issue. Did you hear me? We're talking about a trust issue here. And one of the reasons that I think that God has been able to allow millions of dollars, literally, to go through Vicki and I's hands in terms of management is he knows he can trust us. I'm not saying that to pat us on the back. I'm just saying I think that, that when he can trust you and you know you're not going to misuse or abuse, then he can trust you. See? And... And we've been able, been able to lead churches for years and just allow, you know, those decision-making processes to be tapped into. And I think that God has been able to trust us. We don't have everything right, but, but that's an area that we've been able to function in. And the question is today for you is, can God trust you? Can God trust you? Can he trust you with with finances? Can he trust you to properly use the resources that he places in your hands? Finances are one of the most important areas in each of our lives today. And here's what I found out. If, if we will put God first in the area of our finances, he has promised to take care of us. Now, it, it may not be, you know, like you wanted it to be, perfect, but he will take care of you. The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging bread. And you can take that to the bank. That's what God's word says. Matthew 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve both God and money. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Notice, the two choices that we have here in terms of serving listed in the scripture is God and money. That's what it says. God and money. And here's the deal. If we choose God, 
He said he'll take care of us. Check this out. But seek first. That means we put God first in our financial resources because the subject matter here is money. Just so you know. Put God first. It says, in his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. At least I'm excited about that. <laughs> Putting God first, right? Just challenge you to just read the Bible and obey the Bible. Just obey God's word. Amen? Another scripture that, 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 that really talks about this in detail is Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then God said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of what? All kinds of what? Thank you, honey. What? Greed. Be on your guard. Watch out for all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable. So the first part of that that I just read was Jesus instructing his disciples. And then he wanted to give them a further insight to this concept. So he tells a parable. That's what parables are. They help you have a, more of an aha moment and understanding of what the principle is. And so he said, then he told them a parable. The ground of a certain man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, just hoard it, right? Just, just tear down your barns and build bigger barns so you can keep it all. And it goes on to say this. But God said to him, you what? You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. In other words, you're getting ready to go into eternity. You're getting ready to die. This, tonight, you're going to die in the parable, okay? Then, who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up for himself, but is not rich towards God made that, that area of scripture come alive in me many, many years ago. And here's what, here's what it's saying. It's, there's, it's not wrong to lay up treasures for yourself. A lot of people read that and think that that's what it's saying. It's not wrong to lay up for yourself or plan ahead or save or all that as long as as long as you're rich towards God. Did you hear me? In other words, when, when you're rich towards God and his kingdom, there's nothing wrong with planning ahead and planning for yourself and going on vacation and enjoying things that, that, that your income level can afford, doing your thing. The problem is, is when you do all that at the expense of being rich towards God. That's when, that's when God takes issue with it. And that's not a good thing, right? And so here's what I've learned. This is not in your notes, but you may want to write this down. 
Here's what I've learned. If you take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. If you take care of God's house, he will take care of yours. And that's what the way Vicki and I live our life is we're going to take care of God's house. That's priority. That's our first fruit. That's our number one priority. Seek God's kingdom, what? First. And all of these other things will be added unto you. It's the rhythm of generosity. Listen, money can be, money can be the source of a lot of trouble. It can be the, the source of a lot of heartache and a lot of stress and a lot of conflict and a lot of, a lot of loss. And even, it, it even divorce. Sometimes money creates such conflict in life that it doesn't end well in marriage. And, but it also can be a ton of blessing, right? Resources, depending on how you view it and how you use it. When you learn how to view it properly and use it properly, it can be a wonderful blessing. And so today, real quick in the 15 minutes or so I have, um, I want to share with you the joy of giving. I love being generous. I love it. I love it. I love it. I know for me, it's the best part of my day. It's the best part of my week. And Vicki is obsessed with it, just so you know. You know, I, I love giving. I love being generous. But my wife takes it to a whole nother level. <laughs> She's always grabbing a 20 and handing it to this person and this person and this person and whatever. And she just loves to give. She's, she, she loves to give. She lives to give. Some people give to live. She lives to give. And, and, she, and I love that about her. It's just awesome. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says, you'll, you're not likely to go wrong here if you keep remembering that the master said, you're far happier in giving than getting. And how many of you know that's true? I, I love to give, and I, I love the way I feel, uh, and so on and so forth. And in this series, we've been talking about developing good habits. And so, so today, real quick, I want to talk about the habit of generosity. Consider these statistics, just so you know. Consider these statistics in the Bible. The word believe, how many of you think that's important? Let me see your hand. All right, it's, it, it's mentioned 272 times in, in the Bible. The, the word pray is used 371 times in the Bible. The word love, how many of you think that's pretty important, is mentioned 714 times. But the word give is used 2,100 times over. Wow, is right. Why do you think God places such emphasis on giving? Because it's important. Exactly. It affects every area of our life. So let me give you four practical ways why giving is so important that God would make sure that over 2,000 times it's mentioned in the scriptures. First, first, God, giving makes me more like God. When I, uh, years ago, my daughter and my wife gave me a little plaque plate that said, when I grow up, I want to be just like my dad talking about my heavenly father. And I think, I think as we give and we're generous, we start to emulate the father. Amen? It makes us feel more like God. God is a giver. He's the ultimate giver. John 3.16, for God so loved that he what? Gave. And don't you like the way you feel when you give? To anybody. I mean, when we put our tithe in the, the church, I love the way I, I feel in my heart. I feel like I'm making him a priority. When we, when we tip a server extra at, you know, a restaurant or we buy Girl Scout cookies, you know. Oh, I love the way I feel. 
My wife doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? Because somehow we've tapped into the nature of God. Listen, the devil is a taker. God is a giver. Did you know that? And I remember growing up, I was a taker. I had to learn this. You know, we were so poor growing up, you know, we had to just take everything we could get our hands on, you know? And I learned that sort of as a habit. Well, I have relearned a new habit. And that's the generous habit. That's the law of generosity. And you'll always feel close to God when you're generous in all kinds of different areas. Through your time, when you're generous with your time, your, your talents, your gifts, your treasures, your resources, your touch, who God made you to be, and so on. The second thing, the reason I think God mentioned it so many times in the Bible is giving strengthens my faith. Giving strengthens my faith. Listen, when you take the resources, I don't have my wallet, um, when you take the resources that God has entrusted you with and you, that you could use for yourself and you give it to your church or to others and believe, everyone say believe, and believe for God to make up the difference, it will strengthen your faith. Vicki and I learned this years and years ago when we wrote out our check or whatever, put cash in, the, in, in our envelopes and were faithful to give. Uh, and we knew that, that, that could, we could look at that as there goes our car payment or there goes our mortgage payment or there goes, you know, my, a pair of shoes, <laughs> right? Or we could look at it as, God, we are honoring you with the first fruits of our wealth and we are trusting you to make up the difference. It strengthened our faith. Did you hear me? And it will strengthen your faith. And here's, here's what I want to challenge you with. When things are tight, don't ever back off of your giving. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to squeeze you and pressure you and get things tight and then have you back off your giving. And then as a result of that, you eat your seeds. Don't eat your seed. That's the last thing you want to back off of when things get tight. God uses finance to test us and to test our faith. What are you going to do with the resources I gave you? And one of these days, all of us are going to stand before the Lord and give an account about the stuff that God entrusted us with, trusted us with. Were we good stewards? And part of my job as your pastor is to teach you the Bible so that you're prepared for that final test. And that's what we're talking about today. It's just helping you understand God's perspective on generosity. God knows how closely our money is connected to our heart. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, The whole tithe, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test me in this. It says, The Lord Almighty, if I'll not throw up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that they'll not have room enough to contain. And here's the deal. When you tithe, when you give, and trust God to make up the difference, it will strengthen your faith. The Bible talks about the storehouse here, and that represents an armory of resources to enable the advancement of God's kingdom. How many of you want to see God's kingdom go forward? Yeah. And when you give to your local church, if that, this is your church, you should give here. If it's not, you shouldn't, okay, unless you want to give an offering. But if you're, if you're a member of this church, when you do that, it makes a difference in what God will help us do and accomplish here in this city and, and around the world. Amen? 
So some of you say, well, that's an Old Testament principle. It's not New Testament anymore. Listen, Old Testament principles remain in place unless, unless Jesus gives another principle that supersedes it. Just so you know. And not only that, but Jesus affirms the tithe in Scripture. Here's what he says in, in Luke chapter 11. What sorrows await you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe. In other words, he's talking about the concept, the tiniest income from your herb gardens or your resources. It was an agricultural society back then, and that's how they got their income. But you ignore justice and love, the love of God. You should tithe. That's Jesus. Yes, but don't neglect the more, more important things. Number three, giving is an investment for eternity. That's the third reason why it's so important, and God talks so much about it. It's an investment for eternity. First Timothy says, give happily to those in need. Always bring, be ready to share. This is out of the Living Bible. Whatever God has given you, by doing this, you'll be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. Did you hear me? Did you hear God? <laughs> it is the only safe investment for eternity. Just so you know, do you know why I love to give? Do you know why? I love to store up treasures in heaven. I, I love making an impact in the world one dollar at a time. I love making it hard for people to go to hell from Madison. I love that. I love helping the needy and taking care of people in NBC, at NBC and the city and around the world. I love it. I love planting new churches. I love it. Storing up treasures in heaven. I love, I love making an investment for eternity. Matthew chapter 6 says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven. Where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You have a choice, earth or heaven. Your choice. God's not going to make you do anything. Your choice, earth or heaven. Number four, giving blesses me in return. Generosity positions us for God's protection and blessing. Malachi chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. I will prevent the, the pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in the field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord, and so on and so forth. Listen, Vicki and I claim this promise on a regular basis, especially when things start to go sideways a little bit. We'll just say, Lord, thank you that we, we, have, we have done our best to, to be a giver and to be generous and to honor you with our first fruits and to tithe, and we thank you that you said you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. Amen? And we just put, how many of you know you can put God in remembrance of his promises? You can do that. Matter of fact, he, he, he's impressed <laughs> that you know it enough to be able to do that, that you've studied it, right? And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Are you doing that? And with the best part of everything you produce, then, circle that word then. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So how does he want us to give? I've got a couple minutes. I'm going to finish this up. He wants us to wrap our gifts with the right attitude. The how is very important to God. He wants us to wrap our gifts, our generosity, our lives with the right attitude. 
towards him. First, God wants us to give willingly. Willingly. It needs to be out of a willing heart. You need, to, you need to reconcile where you are in your heart about this whole idea of giving and being generous and tithing so that you can do it with the right heart and the right attitude. Amen? Willingness. Second, God wants us to give thankfully. He wants us to give willingly. He wants us to give thankfully. Psalm 116 says, how can I repay the Lord for all the goodness he's given me? You can't. <laughs> but when you give, with a thankful heart, it's just, it's just amazing what God can do with that. Third, he wants us to give joyfully. Joyfully. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible says, for God loves a cheerful giver in 2 Corinthians 9. That word cheerful in the Greek is hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Some of you are like, how can I be hilarious when I'm giving my money away? <laughs> because you know that God's going to use it. Did you hear me? He'll use that. He'll multiply it. It's like the loaves and fishes. It's that little boy. He's got that fish and loaf of bread. Brings it to the Lord. He says, God, it's not much, but it's all I have. And he takes that and he touches it and he multiplies it and feeds the multitude. I believe when we're faithful with what we have, God uses it. He uses it to touch people's lives all over the world. You're going to have people coming up to you in heaven and saying, hey, I just want you to know, I believe this. I really do. Thank you for your generosity. I heard the gospel because of that, that church that you helped plant, the money you gave that was used to do this or this missionary work or this impact or outreach in the city or just, you know, helping us get through a tough time in our church or whatever, whatever. That's how you can do that. You can have a joyful heart knowing that God is going to use it. And then last but not least, God wants us to give expectantly. For real. I mean, God wants you to give expectantly, knowing that there's a principle to seed time and harvest. And it's okay to know that you're planting seed and God's going to cause it to grow. You've heard the saying, you can't outgive God, right? Right? And here's the, here's the scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, I think it's there in your notes. Remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who, he whoever gives generously will also reap generously. It's the principle of farming. It's, you know, you, you can't, a farmer just can't pray and have the harvest, right? No matter how much his faith is, or how strong his faith is, he has to put some seed in the ground, right, to have a harvest, we plant our seed, we give generously, and God multiplies our seed. Here's, here's the saying that I've used for years. Whatever you sow will grow. Whatever you sow will grow. And I'm going to leave you with this last verse as the worship team comes. Last verse, whatever you sow will grow. Here's the challenge today for all of us. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. God, God's challenging us here today to excel 
in this grace of giving. Thank God for how you excel in all the other areas of life, but don't leave this one out. That's what he's saying. Don't forget this. See to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. Let's stand to it. All right, now that she's done, let's bow our heads for just a moment if we could. I just want to challenge each one of us to allow the Holy Spirit to really deal with us in this area. The Bible teaches us that God confirms his word with signs following. Did you know that? God wants... God wants to confirm his word because we take the word that we've received and we apply it to our lives. So I just want to challenge all of us today, right where we're at, right now, right, right here, that we allow the Holy Spirit to just examine some of the areas of our life, especially in this area of our generosity, our giving. Does there need to be some adjustments made? Can God trust you with those resources? Let's just, let's just pray right now. I just pray, God, that you would help each one of us apply this word where we need to. Make sure, God, we, want, we don't want to stand before you one day and say, oh, oh, I didn't know that, or I didn't do that. Lord, we want there to be a rhythm in our generosity here, in our lives, in every area. We want to fulfill your word when it comes to this whole idea of a generous man will be prosperous. And again, we're not talking about just money. We're talking about our lives. This morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here and you say, I, I just sense like the Holy Spirit saying, you need, to, you need to make some adjustments here. And you want me to pray for you, lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Lift it up. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you see those hands, and they represent hearts of people who are saying, I need some correction here. I need some adjustments. I need to make this a priority. I need to be generous. So, Father, I pray right now for them. I ask you to help them make the transition and change in their lives to reflect that, God, you're first. So we're talking about reflecting that God is first. And we give knowing that he has promised to take care of us. We give because we want to honor you, God. We give because we want to honor you. So Father, I pray for every single person that senses there's got to be some change here. That you would help them do that. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now let's just take a few minutes here and just worship him and then we'll be dismissed. Let's do that. There's pastoral teams on our right and left. They can be available for prayer if you need that as well. Shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't.
coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love God Oh, it chases me down Fights till I found Leaves of 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Don't you just love His love? Don't you love it? God's love So Next time I share, we'll be talking about the rhythm of purpose, the whole idea of, of discovering and living the purpose by which God puts you here. God never created anything that didn't have a purpose, never. Amen? And God has a purpose for every one of us, and we're going to discover that. Can we lift our hands for the benedictions, please? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you supernatural peace. Hey, drive safe going home. God bless you and thanks for being here today.